0: Think the humble monster. Flag in the
1: back. Oh, thank you, man. I was going to ask you how you felt about my background, man. It's very important to me.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's definitely... Uh... To the point, <laughs> and right on, you know, right on time with the are we going the temperature of the world right now. We need that. hmm For sure. I you send for me sure. a copy of that. I got you. Right? I, got it
1: right,
0: I got it right here on my desktop.
1: You just can't, uh, you just can't share it with nobody else, man. We got to keep it exclusive. what I mean, pan
0: African. <laughs> <laughs> well, shit, well, let's get right into it since I'm a little late as it is. But, uh, ladies and gentlemen, the Grammy-nominated half of P-Round one of the best lyricists out of Detroit ever, Royce the Five Nine. What's what, up, what, up, right? what up? What up? What <clears throat> up? What up, Legend? Oh, man, we got another legend. We got two legends. Legend Day. Uh,
1: man, what I'm, I'm
0: just—it's
1: a—it's an honor and a privilege, man. I'm just—I'm just uh—I'm just, uh, taking the back. I'm taking it back. Even when you—even when you just come to just play beats and shit, I just be in here like a fan.
0: <laughs> but shit, well, we—we we definitely got some um. Unfinished business on the music side, but uh, I meant to ask you, bro. Being from Detroit, what was your relationship with Dilla? Did you have one?
1: I had, um, I did have a relationship with him. It, um, Dilla was older. Like when I when I got out of high school, I started going to the hip hop shop. <clears throat> That's like a um clothing a clothing f- fashion designer named Maurice Malone he had like this um I remember the like the story yeah on seven mile he he used to do like an open mic in there and shit and uh I mean as soon as I stepped onto the hip hop scene started going there like I immediately started hearing Dylan name you know what I mean like that's when I started being interested in like reading who produced what you know what I mean and then I started seeing his affiliation with q tip i seen they form the UMA. so his name was his name was already ringing and he was like. And Detroit, it was kind of like separated into two worlds at that time. It was like you had the hip hop world where you know the hip hop niggas went the lyricists, the backpackers went and rapped right. on Seven Mile and shit. And then you had the niggas, the street rappers who like who had work in the street, they were street niggas, they were street rappers, and then they just went and played their music at the titty bars. They hung at the titty bars. So some <laughs> of us, some of us hip hop niggas. We hang at the titty bars. Like, all my OGs went to the titty bars, so I just went to the titty bars. So I was kind of like, cool with, cool with both sides. Not that, not that either side was against each other, it just was two, like, worlds, you know what I'm saying? So right. Dilla, Dilla was one of them niggas that was at the titty bars all the time. So I oh, wow. used to see him. Yeah, I used to see him and shit. And, um, yeah, East side dude, too. So it was like, I used to see him all the time. And then when I got signed, I started moving a little bit. Then we ended up doing a piece of vinyl together on Ruckus and um just getting together and doing those sessions I got to know him a little bit better but I ain't I ain't really get the opportunity to really like you know like seize the opportunity to to like you know you know what I'm saying the, the benefits of being around that kind of genius I think I kind of take it for granted just you know what I'm saying you know how you do man
0: yeah I had the pleasure of meeting him um I think it was probably 2003, 2004, when he was signed to MCA. Uh-huh. And, uh, OG of mine was A&R his project. And uh, he came in to get some beats. But he, I, I remember he brought him to my house. He Came in with the fur hat, the fur fur coat, the mats and shit. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Real Detroit. Mm-hmm. And uh, super cool. He was like, uh, he wanted to get music from producers that he respected on this album. And I was just mm-hmm. like in awe of that. And what made it worse though was that I didn't know a lot of records that I love. I thought Q Tip had done. Right. I didn't know that he had actually done some of the joints I love. I wish I had known that that day, you know what I'm saying? Because I would definitely gave it up a lot more, but I just had respect for him, period. But I was just yeah, like I said, true. I was still flattered that he came to me per se just to get, you know what I'm saying? Just to get some music because he could do it himself, you know what I mean? Type of thing. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I kind of, I kind of, I kind of feel like that. Like when we got together to do the vinyl and shit, I I went to his, we did it at his crib and shit. I went over there and uh, I remember the the setup was in the basement and shit. And he was like playing, just going through beats and shit, playing shit. He's playing me a bunch of fire. And I remember I was like, you got some water, bro. And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Got to go up in the kitchen. So we went up the stairs and shit, went up there. I'm standing in the kitchen to get some water. And I just happened to look over to my right, and in the living room, sitting on the couch, it's just common, just sitting there on the couch, like, says common, just sitting there. You know what I'm saying? I'm
0: like,
1: I'm like, holy fucking shit, you got common sense just sitting on the couch? He's just like, oh, what's up, man? I was like, damn. But I know just back then, I wasn't, um, I wasn't as like, uh, Analy- well, is analytical the word I'm looking for. Like I wasn't grasping the sonic side of shit like I am now. So it's like right. JD is he one of those man? He one of those retro- retroactive niggas. You know what I'm saying? You around that nigga when you 2021, 20, you don't really know what you what, what's happening. You don't even know. If you look. At you don't shit realize right?
0: you're witnessing magic right now. Yeah, and
1: then in retrospect, you look back like, damn. Even like what production has evolved into. And just the shit that he was doing back then the shit he was doing with samples back then and just how technologically advanced he was with the with the with the hardware you know what i'm saying like it, it was just he first nigga i seen like sample of, like sample a live drum like i didn't even know people did that people probably had been doing that but i just didn't know you know what i'm saying right. like it was shit like that like it was just i was just kind of oblivious in a lot of ways but he was just like on some other shit. So I never got the chance to really, because I know like with MCs, I got it early because that was my first love. So like my first time around Red, man, I made sure I let him know how I feel. You know what I'm saying? Like what what it is about him, what it is that he did that, that, you know, inspired me. Like I made sure I did that with MCs. But shit, when I was around JD, I ain't really like get a chance to really express you know what I mean? We just kind of like, we were just cool. We just kept it cordial. We see each other, we show each other love, but that's why I call it, like, just kind of taking
0: it for granted, you know what I mean? I mean, that's because you 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 dove into the producer side of things now, so you you come to appreciate, you know, the process more because you're doing it yourself. So now you get what that shit entails, you know what I mean?
1: Uh-huh. Just, you
0: know, I have a lot of conversations that we have with, uh, production-wise and everything, but now you see Cause I learned a lot from Dyl. A lot. Mm You know what I'm saying? And one of the main things I learned from him and Primo was that taking samples in smaller increments, you know what I mean? So you can give yourself more of a chance to to uh, manipulate the sample more. So he was doing like time stretching like manually damn near back then. You know what I'm saying? Like you listen to donuts and it's like you're here to the sample start off in the regular spe- speed they're supposed to be in, and then they just start speeding up at the same pitch. I'm like, how the fuck is he doing this?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Because he was taking it in smaller pieces and basically putting that shit back together. Like, like you know what I'm saying? Like, manually, like, literally, like, intricately, like, putting that shit back together so he can make it go as fast as he wanted to. So I was like, yo, like, you know how many chops i take to do that? Yeah, that's, you know what yeah, i that's,
1: that, that's, like, that's scientific meticulous like nigga my brain damn near wanna explode just thinking about half like how do you like like how you know how precise you have to be you know what I mean like and then he got to get real time got to get everything in real time hit the pads and shit in real time.
0: Yeah. Jesus I mean that was me but I wasn't chopping up that many pieces. You know what I'm saying? So once I grabs that from listening to him and Primo, I was like, oh, it put me somewhere else. Right.
1: You know what I'm
0: saying? So, yeah. I you know, I, I put that in, in my repertoire without sounding like them. You know what I'm saying? It's just something I learned from them to apply to my shit. You know what I mean? So, it was just yeah. dope to, to to learn, get that jewel, because I remember when Ado, when um remember that group Intro? Intro, yep. They had that song with the Edo and the Bulldog sample? Uh-huh. Uh, I Gotta Have It. And when they they changed key, it was a burn key, burn, 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 burn. that was a big deal. For right back then, you know what I'm saying? Cause you was like, how did he change the key of that shit at the same speed? But bro, when I tell you, it took hours to process that shit on your keyboard, like hours. Like you can just leave that shit processing and go do go to the mall, go shopping, and shit come out. That shit still
1: processing.
0: Damn, you know what I mean? Like it was insane. So. To hear Dilla do that shit with ease, it was like, oh, this, this got something else. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, nigga, because usually,
1: stuff. usually when a nigga is that technical, he's usually just that. He a nigga that's that technical don't usually have all the other tools that he had. You know what I'm saying? He was like a producer. He was like scientific on the tech side, but he also wasn't like a slave to like technical shit. He also still would like, he would like he he would go off of how he feels too. You know what I mean? Some people like if they real technical, then everything they do is just straight up technical. Like I I use rappers as an example. Like usually when you got a rapper that's real like meticulous with the techniques, then that's just kind of like what they do. Very rarely can they like straddle straddle that fine line that that can translate to, to other crowds and still be lyrical. You know what I'm saying? Usually writers pick a side, you know what I'm saying? But it, like, right. Dilla, Dilla is like, across the board, it's just like, he ain't lack nothing, you know what I mean? It was like, you know I sometimes like a motherfucker like learn theory, like it's when somebody learns theory, learns how to play, and from that moment, it's like everything must be correct because I learned how to do this now, you know what I mean? So it's like, I get people now like Porter tell me like, look, don't, don't learn theory because you want to just be able to go off of what you feel. That's but it. he just he just did it all. It's like he did shit how he feel felt. He did shit technical. Sometimes he would mix both drums. You know, like drum patterns would be off but on. Some shit would just be sit perfect. It was just however he wanted to make it feel, man. It was just like he was in complete control of the and whole process. Like he just had the whole shit on the stream.
0: And that's why I would tell people you can't teach feel.
1: Yeah,
0: you know what I'm saying. Uh you can't teach Phil, that's just in you. You know what I'm saying? So I, I learned I learned that from him as well. Just uh being able to uh allow the sample to take me wherever it's gonna take. Me right and not try to make it like just stay in this certain zone that it has to be this way. It's like nah, 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 nah. It's yeah. it's basically like uh uh, basically you you like you you going into that set like hey guys how y'all doing you mind if I come in here and jam with y'all for a minute? You know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> you basically just add some shit to it. But but having that having that type of uh uh relationship early, but now you Primo, I know, was helping you out a lot too, you know, with your new venture in the producing situation. Like that's another monster, you know, in itself <laughs> to have Primo in your corner to help yeah, teach you. And guide you.
1: Like, how was that? Preem taught me how to use the NPC in the beginning and shit. Cause uh initially I have I bought Ableton. Cause uh one of my deep my DJ had told me, like, yo, this, this is what you should get. You know what I'm saying? So I just got it. I called Primo fucking around and Primo was like, nah, take that back, because that's too you you should shouldn't start there. It's gonna be too confusing for you. Right. And he was he was right. I looked at that shit. She looked like Chinese arithmetic. <laughs>
0: you know what I'm saying?
1: So well, I took it back. He told me to get the MPC studio. I got the MPC studio. And um, I got on FaceTime with him. And he just kind of like walked me through the basics of it, like how to use it. So I started, he he showed it to me well enough to where I could, without having to call nobody, I could just, you know, like program, you know, just basic drum loops and shit like that. So that's why so I just started doing that. Started doing that, just practicing a lot doing that shit. When I got back in town, Porter came in and he showed me logic. Once he showed me logic, that's when I really, you know, got into it. But, you know, and then since then, I ain't really been doing shit but practicing. I mean, you know, I practice, have conversations with niggas, you know what I'm saying? But Preem, he don't really like, his shit is just like, be free. Be free. You know what I mean? Like, it ain't really no limit. You know what I mean? So right. he's not like constantly trying to like bombard me with like drum sounds and shit like that. You just be free, keep it fun. You know what I mean? And then I started off in the beginning. Uh, Porter gave me a bunch of, you gave me a bunch of sounds and shit. You came, you came through, gave me a bunch of sounds. So I just had a, I had a bunch of shit already. It was like a cheat code. All I needed to do was just learn how to <laughs> put it in this proper perspective. But sonically, right. you know, like as far as just like the sounds, everything was a one already. So
0: no, your your utility belt was insane. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> like like the fuck, like. But so, Allegory was the first album that you actually did your own production, right?
1: Yeah, that was my first time making Allegory. Was my first time making beats, and it just so happened that I I, I produced a whole album. I I didn't plan to, but it was the first album that kind of like happened to me so it was like the album just came out of like me going through the process of just learning how to make beats getting comfortable with making beats and then you know during that process there was just there was just a lot of shit on my mind man you know like i know we all going through it now with with the with the state of the world and shit like that but mm-hmm. i kind of like i think certain things happened you know, like the George Floyd thing, the um, Ahmaud Arbery thing, like all in a row. You know, Breonna Taylor, all that shit just in a row. While everybody is, you know, like locked down on the pandemic, you know, kind of like forced to be in front of their computers and and looking at everything in real time. You know what I'm saying? But um, when you when it's like right in front of you and you have no choice but to hyper focus on it, it's one thing, but I've been I've been concerned about the state of things for for a while because I'm one of them niggas, man. I I'll go find I'll go find it. I'll go find all the problematic shit. (laughs) I'll go find all the problematic shit that's going on in the world and obsess about it. So I was kinda like I was kinda like on this page already. So a lot of the things that I talked about on the album, they still affecting us right now. But they, it was like affecting me back then, and I, it was like a, it, it, that's kind of like what came out, you know what I mean? So it was, everything that was going on was kind of like inspiring the shit that I was talking about on there. So that's right. pretty much how the album ended up happening.
0: I told my man, I said, "Boy, if you can go and dig up a slave and wake him up, and he'd be like, you know, tell me, how's we is we free yet?" Like, he'd be so disappointed right now, my nigga, to hear the conversation that we got for him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, he be about He's super disappointed. It's the same dialogue.
1: He'd be disappointed because everybody would tell him, yeah, we free. <laughs> and then he'd, go, he'd go check up behind him and be like, no, you're not.
0: <laughs> he's lying bitch. <good. laughs> you know what I'm saying? So that shit always annoys me when people, you know, try to base... Uh, where they are in their life to dictate the the climate of the world, it's like yo, just because you have a job, a car, a house, doesn't mean the world still ain't hurting. Like right. that's that's this just your isolated story, like you know what I'm saying? Mm. But as a whole, like your aunts, your uncles, your cousins, like I heard my Ali say, like you know, it ain't about me. I'm straight, mm. you know what I'm saying? Like I ain't got to be doing this, he said. But I, I ain't free to all my people, right? You know what I'm saying? And, and that's the type of Stance. I think if we all practice more, of of, you know practicing, we'd be in a different place. Like just having more of a solidarity, you know, type of situation. That's just hard to attain. They did. They did a job on us, bro. They did. They did a number on us, like for real.
1: They fucked us up so bad, and they 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 um, they complicated it so much. They confused it so much. I think just over the years, of like it's a mixture of just over the years the cycle's repeating and then like just you know as they evolve they get worse they get more intense and then also like the 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 lackluster attempts to fix things just complicate shit even more you know what I'm saying so it's just like I think so we inherit all of that you know as the as the the shit progresses and um I just think I just think that every man for himself mentality is just some shit that we were just kind of like just genetically predisposed to. So a lot of times niggas don't even know how harmful to our community that it is to think that way until you, we put in some sort of position where we kind of like forced to look at it and go, oh, oh, OK, now I get it. So it's, it's damn near like we sitting and waiting on people to just wake up one at a time. You know what I mean? Like it's still it's still niggas out there that feel like once they made it out the hood, that's it. They made it. You know what I mean? Like, and then they sit, they they'll they'll help, they'll stand on the front line and and help preach about what we need, but they won't take the steps to actually change our situation. It's like it's it's like they'll still sit there and wait on like the shit to build itself. I know you ain't waiting on white people to do it, nigga. You know what I'm saying? Can't be. You could not can't possibly
0: be. be. <laughs> you can't be, bro. So you had to be in a comfortable place as an MC to even attack those subjects. Because I'm sure, you know, that brings a, a lot of backlash from your fans. Because, like you say, everybody ain't woke yet. So you attacking these topics. I'm sure you seen your comments changing on Instagram and Facebook, mm-hmm. whatever the fuck, like... They come out the bushes, like yeah. so I calling you a racist and you know what I mean like I, can't, like I can't imagine the shit you've been enduring since you you know you've done that, so you you would say that you're at one of your most comfortable places as an m c right now
1: yeah, I mean you got to be you know what I'm saying like I, I think I think um shit as I go through life I, I don't really I don't really think about um I don't really think about evolving as an m c or like where I'm gonna take this creatively or where I'm gonna do this. For me, it's just evolving as a person, like as a man, like as as a man and as as a person. And I just feel like if I can keep improving upon myself, then naturally whatever I express artistically is gonna be as evolved as I am, as, as, as a person. So, you know, like in order to be Able to like improve upon yourself, you gotta at least get to a point where you're comfortable in your skin, like comfortable with what you are and able to identify what it is that you are. Once you can do that, then you can see, you know, areas that you can improve and then you can, you can kind of like focus on those areas. You know what I mean? So it's like along with that comes being, being cool, you know, with things not being perfect. You know what I mean? Like being cool with the outcome of things. You know, like creating things with no fear, there's no repercussion, you know what I mean? Like, if the worst possible thing that it is for me as a creative is for somebody to say, I don't like that, I I damn near would prefer that. It's more liberating to me. It's like, at least I feel like I'm using my power as a writer, which a lot of niggas don't realize that they have a power to make people choose, choose. Make them uncomfortable. Make them don't make it easy. Don't make them don't make them feel like, oh, that's cool. That's cool. That can exist. Because that's worse than be that's 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 the worst failure it could be for right. it to just exist and not affect nobody. You know what I mean? Like I would rather I would rather make them choose. You know what I'm saying? So along with that, you know, like if you implying that you want to really, really make some shit that's gonna resonate, then you implying that you are willing to make some shit that some people are going to walk away from that's the that's the that's the leap of faith that you take with art I don't think it's a such thing as art that's relatable to all I think it's a such thing as is marketing dollars put in places to to create magic tricks to make shit look like everybody like it but I just don't think there's a such thing as something that's just relatable to all you know what I mean like yeah, I mean, I think you got you got your anomalies like every you know every few generations you know your Stevie Wonder's, Michael Jackson's, they going down to history for a reason. You know what I mean? Like Thriller, Thriller is Thriller. That's why it's Thriller. You know what I mean? Because yeah, you're point. not going to see it much. You know what I'm saying? But I, I like throwing paint on the canvas, hanging it up, and in, inviting people in to take a look at it. You know what I mean? Like the whole concept of like. Taking the canvas off the wall and chasing people around, begging them to look at it. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, oh, that's just not. That's not my thing.
0: Never. Well, like I say, these days it's hard to get uh, an artist to just stand on something. Yeah. You know what sure. I'm saying? That that's what separates you from your average MC. Like you, you willing to, however you feel, you willing to stand on that. You know what I'm saying? And and move forward with that rather than worrying about how the in crowd is going to take it and how they're going to feel about it and all that, you know, soft nigga shit. So, it's just like, it's just good to to hear somebody with that uh, Curtis Mayfield approach, uh, Marvin Gaye approach, um, what's my girl name, um, oh, my God. She did the blow Nina, 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 Nina Simone. Nina, Nina Simone, like, Nina Simone, like, she was just so, like, tapped Important. in. Important. Huh? Important. Super because you gotta understand, bro, for her to speak at that time was way more dangerous to do it now. Way more dangerous. You know what I'm saying? Those racist people have more of a platform to just go out there and just snatch you out your house that day they heard the song, you know, you know what I'm saying? And and be and be totally, you know, excused from the law, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And yeah, not be punished or anything. So like for her to take that stance, then it's like wow, like she Cause I find myself, I gotta take it in doses, man. Because if I allow myself to go down that rabbit hole too deep, then I, I get too mad. I just get too mm-hmm. caught up and angry. You know, when I start really looking at it for what it is. You know what I'm saying? It yeah. just really makes, it really makes you mad, bro. That you yeah. don't have anything to to support you if you do take a stance.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I feel you there, man. Cause it's like, you gotta guard your energy. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, yeah. Once I start realizing how, how how triggered I can get and some and certain things that trigger me, I, I started really like policing myself on how much I'm a, how, how much I'm gonna look at. Cause once I feel like I I knew the gist, I pretty much got the gist of what what's, what's happening. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it's like <laughs> right. it, it's like 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 me personally, I never watched the George F- Floyd video. I've never watched that whole video. So I I mean Excellent. I and that's just me, that's just me guarding my, just I'm guarding my energy. I know because I know how I'm triggered. You know what I mean? So it's like, um, not even to say if you've seen one, you've seen them all, but it's just, I just know what's going on. I know what's going on. Like, I don't need to watch any more fucking executions. You know what I mean? Like it's, it couldn't be more apparent to me. You know what I mean? So to me. That's exactly
0: where they are at the end of the day, executions. Yeah. But on your, um, on your, on your album, Allegory, you, I spoke about being concerned about T Grizzly. Like, do you feel a certain type of responsibility to try to you know, pass some, some game down to the younger dudes, try to save them from making the same, you know, dumb mistakes, you know, you may have made in early in your career?
1: Yeah, I think it's an art to that shit, man. It's an art. It's an art to it. And I think um, that's another reason why it's super important, man. Like, you're going to waste some time in your 20s. You know what I'm saying? So, like, it's super important at some point in your life to be able to, like, grasp the concept of, how important it is to evolve and get better as a person, because it's a straight up art to communicating to the youngest It's an art dog it's an art, and it's like <laughs> it's a fuck it's a part it's a part of success like if you really can look at people that come after you doing the same thing as you who you know you open doors for, and if it's easy for you to just sit and watch them fuck shit up. For themselves and you be okay with that, that you can't really expect to get the most out of what you want and what you're looking for. Like, I just don't feel like the universe worked that way. You know what I mean? Like, and I don't think, I don't think God would put certain people in certain positions, you know, like if just, if just morally, it wasn't for them to do, you know what I mean? So it's like, it literally bothers me. It bothers me. To watch people make mistakes, not because they're making mistakes, but because I felt like it was something I could have did to help them, and I didn't. You know what I mean? Like, I don't like that feeling. You know what I mean? So, so like, trying to figure out ways to reach these niggas, put certain things on their brain, plant certain seeds with them, because you know, ultimately they gonna do what they gonna do. But you you gotta also understand that you 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 trying to communicate to them. Through their transgressions. You know what I mean? Like you, you, you dragging along your baggage, and then you know they got their transgressions that they bring with them, and they also still trying to find their place. And you see the journey they on, so you're trying to communicate with them, but you also can't just get offended with every little way that they respond because that's part of it in the beginning. You know what I mean? Like part of it is just trying to understand what the fuck is going on. Like, and coming from Detroit, a place like that, everybody is guilty until proven innocent. So everything you say can and will be held against you in the court of my own crazy-ass mind in the way that I perceive things. <laughs> you know what right. I'm saying?
0: Because if they're not prepared to receive receive it, then they're going to... Yeah. I remember uh, when, I fir- when I first met Jean Riggins, and um, I was talking to her, and I had my arms like this while I was talking to her. And she, uh, she told me, unfold your arms. She said, when you got that type of posture, it means you're not willing to receive anything. Mm. And that just stuck with me. You know what I'm saying? Mm. And I, cause I had never heard it put that way. She was like, yo, your posture means everything. So a lot of, we have a lot of young guys I see out here that really don't want to hear shit that can happen. Mm. Like, they would rather crash and burn on their own. So you got to be okay with that too. You know what I'm saying? Because when, mm. when you do give them the game, it's like some of them like, yo, oh, like, yo, old head, man. He's always trying to. Got some shit to say, like you know. Whereas another mm-hmm. guy would be like, you know what, OG, I really appreciate that. So it's like when you open yourself up to give that kind of advice, you gotta be willing for that to accept that other side. Yeah, you him. gotta be. You gotta <laughs> be
1: ready. You gotta be ready for everything that come with it. You know it what I'm saying? Like it. you can't you can't go into it. You know, reach back to the youth, and then it turn into you beefing with beefing with all of it. You know what I'm saying? Like if if that's the case, then you the toxic one in the motherfucking in the equation.
0: That's but, um, why I said OG can mean two things: opportunity got guidance. So opportunity ain't greed. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Because you know I, I know saying? when I was
1: when, when I was young, like coming up, the OGs to me, man. I mean, shit. They, they, they provided for niggas. They took care of us. You know what I'm saying? Like them niggas right. was there. You know, I. I mean, I had my dad in my life, but like I, these specific OGs, like my OG Cash, it was just like he always made it a thing. Like you, what, what, you got some money on you? All right, here. Like he always acted like a um like a big brother or like a like a uncle or some shit. You know what I'm saying? Like
0: right.
1: and it was just like he 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 did more than just say say shit, tell me what I should be doing or what I, what I, what I'm doing wrong. It was like he you know, he took it a step further than that, you know what I mean? Like he had to it's almost like they had they had a community they had a community mind frame already, even without, you know, even without grasping, you know, um Grasping the concept of like um, economic economic inclusion and just all of us together thinking as a collective in the community and how important it is to like own things and equity and shit like that. I'm talking about just grassroots drug dealer thinking. You know what I mean? Like these niggas naturally grasp every concept that is important. It's just that we don't we just don't realize until later. Um that that we gotta fucking apply that shit. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes it's like it, it's it's too late. You know what I mean? Like you got more guys like Morgan Freeman, man.
0: They do, <laughs> <just> <laughs> do they do interviews and just
1: <laughs> it's just like, oh bro. God. And that and it's like that that's telling because I've been seeing interviews of Morgan Freeman saying, you know, like crazy things. But, like, I didn't realize how harmful to the culture it was and to, the, to our community it was until, you know, recently. And I'm like, wow. Like, I'm, I'm looking at this with a whole other perspective. And I know it's a, for a multitude of reasons. It's because of, you know, the state of the world. It's just because of the way that I view things. You know what I mean? But it's like, yo, it's harmful to the culture. I, I identify with that now. But the crazier thought is it's always been harmful to the culture. The way he was handling it, you know what I'm oh, saying. Absolutely. So this has been years. This has been fucking years. You know it what I mean? Co-signs,
0: like it co-signs somebody else with that same bullshit ideology. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, <laughs> like, it's <laughs> it's like I call that shit. I call that shit carrying the water, carrying the water for white supremacy. You know what I'm saying? Like you the water boy for white supremacy. Like if you That's if you right. adopt those ideologies and then you use a, you utilize a platform to tell what you know is a lie. You know in your heart it's a lie. You know that you're telling your people, racism don't exist. Everybody got the same opportunity. It's like, not only is that a lie and you know it's a lie, but that's harmful. Like you speaking to like, you speak to a demographic of people and, and kids and, and communities that are overlooked and underserved, underprivileged, who see the world through the lens of just this little neighborhood that they've been marginalized to. So like, if, te- if they're looking at you on TV and they know that you're from that same element and you're, you're like one, their only hope and you telling them everybody got the same opportunity and they going to these public schools, you know, they getting the, the, the bare minimum of everything from education on down. They're gonna think it's something they doing wrong, man. It happened to me. It happened to me, man. I talked to a fucking psychologist, man, like in, when I was in my 30s and she was the first person to put into perspective the, the concept of the institution failing you as opposed to you failing the institution. You know, so she was just like, I, I told her some of the things that, that, some of the problematic shit that happened with me when I used to go to school, when I was in high school and shit. I used to daydream a lot. And she was like, um, that's common amongst a lot of like producers and, and artists. You know, like she was like, tip, typically what would happen is somebody would notice um, some of the things that either you're drawn to, or just they would notice some of these characteristics and then they would just put you in like a performing mm-hmm. art school or um, schools that would have you in a situation where the, the curriculum is a certain way. It caters to some of your passions or just smaller classrooms where you can get like the attention that you need. You know what I'm saying? So it's like mm-hmm. my, I would go to parent teacher conference with my dad and my, my teachers would be like, you know, he can he can do better if he just applies himself. And then my father would just look at me like, shit, okay, you ain't applying yourself. So basically, I just got thrown under the bus by the teacher. And my father just, you know, like, okay, so it's all on me. And I'm like, not having nobody to put that in perspective for me. So I just processed that as I I did wrong. You know what I'm saying? But somewhere in the back of my mind, I'm knowing like, damn, man, I know I didn't want to do wrong the whole time because I wanted to be eligible to play basketball. So I wasn't trying to fuck up. You know what I'm saying? All the time. Sometimes I was just on some bullshit, but not all the time. You know what I mean? So that that just that perspective alone, if you just look at it like that and just factor that just into the neighborhood, you know, you see, like, a lot of these videos these niggas is doing, like, Bro Polite, and all these niggas, and they, like, they 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 yelling at the niggas, like, the, the, the youngins in Chicago and the niggas, just, the black people that's killing black people, and, like, where y'all at? Where the guns at? Where you where the guns at when it really count you know fight for the cause and all this and I just I don't agree with that you know what I mean like I don't agree with speaking at I don't agree with speaking at the environment if you not if you not a product of that environment like you're not speaking to some to to a group of people who feel like they're connected to the to the to the to the, to the movement and the protest that you standing for right now like they not fighting for your cause they fighting for their cause. Like, right. before, before we was in the pandemic and we was, fucking, we was fucking marching and fucking protesting, before we was doing that, when we was just cool, just going about our day on Twitter every day, these niggas was still fighting for their cause. You know what I'm saying? Like, and he, they, they not, like, waking up every day going, man, I'm going to kill me some niggas today. Yo, man, they're in that environment. And in, the, in, the, in that environment, the, the language that's used is the, the gun language you have to use that language or you won't be able to communicate and you will cease to exist. People don't know how that feels. They don't know how that, how that feels. They're unable, they're incapable of placing their foot in that shoe. So it's like, you can't, you're can't. you not in a position to judge if you're not in it because the, these niggas in that element, they don't have, y'all not coming to their elements to save them. They don't see y'all c- coming and going, yo, come on, we're going to pull y'all out of the element. We need y'all to assemble a militia and fight for a real cause. Like they don't right. even think, they don't even look at that shit like it's reality. You know what I mean? Like they
0: see the world through the fucking TV. You know what I mean? So and, and every day is survival. So you, you're big on, on getting therapy then. I think that's important. Yeah. I think important. every
1: black person, every black person needs therapy. Every black person is PTSD. When I, see, when I say PTSD, I mean PTSD as far as stress, and PTSD, slave disorder, post-traumatic slave disorder. I really feel like that. I, I really feel like all of the things that harm our culture and all of the things that we do, some of the things that we do that seem to pose more questions than answers, Yeah, it, 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 all, it all links back to slavery in some way. You know, like that misplaced aggression, you know, like not being able to inflict violent violence and harm onto your oppressor so you just you just harm the closest thing next to you because you just, it's, 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 it's aggression it's misplaced frustration you know a motherfucker come up to you smack you in your face and tell you to go go pick some cotton and you know that physically you can break this nigga into, into three pieces but you <laughs> don't right. have the, you don't have the solidarity around you to you know what i'm saying to be able to stand as an individual and they want you to accept being lesser, being lesser than them as your reality, you know what I mean? Like, that, that could put you in a place. You know, and they put, you know, the light skin ones over here, the dark skin was over here, and you know, they raping this one, doing this to that one, you know, this is just, it, it, it evolves from that, and you know, like, people think that since it's all these years later that we, we're not products of that, but it's like, but you're also talking about people who, like, other groups have made, have went out of their way and, and took steps to erase a nigga's history. You know what I'm saying? So you don't even know what you are, who you are. You know what I mean? So how can you identify with some of the things that you do? You know what I'm saying? Like, You know, you think everything is just, it, it just is what it is. You don't realize that everything correlates to something. Everything is for a reason. You know what I mean? Like, I ain't just, I ain't just an alcoholic just because I just decided to drink one day. It's a way deeper fucking, it's a way deeper story than that. You know what I'm saying? Like a lot of, a lot of shit, you know, once I, once I delved into like a lot of my transgressions and shit, I decided not to take full responsibility for all my shit. You know what I'm saying? Like Point blank. Everybody, is a, everybody is a product of what, what they come from, what they chose to be around, who they chose to be around, you know, their experiences, what, what happened in life. You know what I mean? Like my big brother's first time going to jail was when we, we were teenagers. And I got into a fight with a guy and he, my brother is just overprotective. So he went to the car and went and grabbed a knife and came back and cut, and cut the nigga up and, 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 and went and threw the knife in the grass next to the community center, right in front of the police when they pulled up and they took him to jail. And when he got out of jail, number one, he didn't have to do that, but he was overprotective because my dad used to be real, Firm, like disciplinary wise. So he used to beat our ass when we did shit wrong. But he also used to used to um, hit my mom in front of us. You know what I'm saying? So that shit made my brother that traumatized him. Even though he was only two years older than me, he seen a lot of shit at a younger age, and it traumatized him. And it made him real, real overprotective of us. So I, I attribute that to him overreacting in that situation.
0: Well, and absolutely. then I
1: attribute him being overly emotional with not being able to get away with that kind of crime. He's too emotional to commit murder, bro, and get away with it. You know what I'm saying? So he went to jail, and when he went to jail that one time, he got trouble in jail, got out, ended up back in jail. He ended up in a cycle of not being able to to shake that shit off and restart life in a productive way. You know what I mean? So he was in and out of jail between 20 and 45. So now, he not going to jail and shit no more like that. But he sit around and he drink and he sometimes he just get angry. Sometimes he just want to call and and, and and argue. You know what I mean? And it's just like that ain't all his fault. You know what I'm saying? You it's can say all that nigga just you could, he just alcoholic man. He just how he is. But yeah, nigga, it's it's a story to everything. Everybody got a story.
0: That's for sure. So speaking of story, what's the story when you and M first cross paths like what, what what, was that like because you know rap is mainly a black thing and when you bring a white person around back then it was like okay wh- what's going on here you know what I mean until they yeah. open their mouth and they prove them different you know what I'm saying of course but initially like oh like, what's going on who, who, who's the white boy you know what I mean like so I'm sure you had to hold him down a lot of times just to until he started rapping. After he started rapping, everybody gets it. You know what I'm
1: saying? It's no problem. No, well, Actually, with shit with Marshall, because I was younger than all of them. You know what I'm saying? So, Proof was actually the one who bought who bought him around.
0: Right.
1: But, um, you know, when, when I started going to the hip-hop shop, they, all of them, had, they was already there. They was already regulars. They was already known. You know what I'm saying? Marshall was already like... He, was, he had already had a buzz, even though I, I hadn't heard of him. But I, when I went there the first time, I, I, he rapped. And I was, like, one of the people who was, like, in awe. But a lot of the niggas there was just, like, used to it. They was already used to hearing him rap. Um, proof had already kind of, like, stamped him. You know what I'm saying? Because before that, I heard he was getting booed and shit. So Proof kind of, like, bought him around, put his stamp on him. And, um you know, niggas started giving him a fair shot a fair, you know, listening to him, giving him a fair, you know, a fair listen, you know, and then he just started getting cool with people. And um, so by the time I came around, they was our D12, they was already established. They already was kind of like a crew. And um, I kind of like was already a fan of him before I even met him, really, you know, because I just used to see him at the open mics and shit. He used to be tearing shit up and everybody fucked with him, you know what I'm saying? So I was kind of like already a fan. So when I actually met him, um, I was doing a show. I was opening up for Usher. It was like a it was like a, a show at a theater that some independent promoter had did, and I just I, I somehow got to open the slot, so I performed. And M M was at the show. He had like a booth set up, and he was selling he was selling his um his EP that he had out. It was a Slim Shady EP at that time. So it was like it was like half of his first album, but it was it, it was still an EP. So um. And that's the same tape that Dre, that Dre heard when he discovered him. That same EP. That's what he was selling at the at the venue and shit. So um my man well, my man Kino, he he's still my manager today, to this day. Keno knew who he was too. So Keno was there and Keno approached him and was like, yo man, you know, whatever. They was talking and shit. So when I got off the stage, I went and found Keno because I had to I had to cut out because my, my my son was being born and shit, but um at my son, my wife, my girl was in the hospital and my son was being born. So I was looking for Keno and shit. And I found him and then Keno introduced me to Marshall and I shook his hand and I told him, I told him I was a fan of what he, what he was doing. You know what I'm saying? And he was like, um, he, he said something to me about a line that I said on stage on the, in an the acapella. So we was like, just, we had one of the rapper conversations. We exchanged numbers and shit. And then we just started kicking it on the phone. That was the landline days. You know, that was back in the landline days.
0: Absolutely. House phone.
1: Yeah, yeah. We'd, we'd kick it on the house phone and shit. Uh, we'd get niggas on the, on the three-way. We'd be battling on the phone. You know what I'm saying? I started um, start knowing niggas from different states and shit. We like, I remember one time I, I was on, we was on call. It was me, Marshall, Pharrell, Stu Jackson, Rob Walker. And it was a group from Chicago, I'm from uh, Ohio called The Clinic to two of them. And they both was on the phone. So you had Pharrell rapping, me, Marshall, and the two dudes from The Clinic. And we were all rapping. I guess it was kind of like a battle because everybody, you know, Derrick Jackson, The Clinic was his group. He was like, I got my niggas, they, they the coders. Robin was like, I got Pharrell, he the coders. And Kino was like, yo. Royce and M, they decoded. So we was all just on the phone rapping and shit. All of it was just patched in somehow on landlines and shit. Constance <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I remember shit like that. But me and Marshall didn't get, we didn't get like tight like we are now until um, after he did his situation with Dre, he was out in Cali. I had to go out there to recut my vocals to the song Bad Me's Evil. Right. That was originally that was originally a song that we just we did just you know just like when we met and shit, so he wanted to put it on his album, so he was like, yo, I'm I'm redoing the beat, so I probably need you to come out and recut your vocals. So when I went out there to redo the vocals, I stayed out there with him for for a while, cause at that at that time, him and proof, him and the whole D12, him proof and all all of them he they wasn't talking for some reason. I, I can't even remember why, but um he had like, he started getting show opportunities and shit like that, but he didn't have no hype man.
0: Right.
1: So I was out there, I was out there with him. So I was like, shit, all right, I, I can, I know your songs. You know what I'm saying? So right. I could do that, I could do that. So I, I started like doing the hype man shit for him. Then next thing you know, I look up and we on the motherfucking lyrics' lounge tour. So now I'm on tour with him. So, you know, we sharing hotel rooms and shit like that. So that's that's when we got like tight, you know what I mean? like when you starving with a motherfucker, you know what I'm saying? Like y'all down to y'all last $20. Okay, <laughs> uh, sharing peace, the slice of the piece Yeah, 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 that's when you that's <laughs> when you really build a bond with a motherfucker, it's, you know, before all the money and shit comes into play, <laughs> comes into play, you know, like, just like, when a motherfucker, when a motherfucker look out for you, when they don't, when there's no upside, when they just do it because that's who they are, then you, you know, like that's what you kick, that's what you hold on to. So that's why to this day, you know, everybody be like, he always defending them. He always defending them, man. He, 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 you know, he just trying to hold on to his position. And they don't realize that there is no position. I don't work for him. He's just a friend of mine. But the reason why I'm loyal to him is because I know that I know the man. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, it's that simple. That simple. It's nothing. He has nothing that I want. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, like, right. ask him for money. He doesn't. He doesn't pay me anything. He doesn't give me anything. He doesn't like, like if I needed something, I would probably, he would probably be the last person that I would call just because I know, I know that people, that people look to him to be that person just based off of what they perceived him as having. And it's not fair. It's not fair. And I think all of us went through it. All of us who got into the game, we went through it on some level. So it's like, when I those kinds of relationships, like Dr. Dre, I talked to Dr. Dre, I would never think of asking Dre for money. You know what I'm saying? And he probably, you know, he probably, he probably gives out more money than I make. You know what I'm saying? You know Tax <laughs> <laughs> you know I mean, so it's just like, yeah, I'll be, I'll be, I judge, I homie, off of that. Like we bonded, we bonded based off of that and shit. So that's kind of like how the early early days used to be and shit. And then once his album came out, you know, shit started getting real, just confusing. You know what I'm saying? Life just became not simple no more.
0: At all. Mm-hmm. Once you get in there, I tell people all the time, man, when you broke, you can go need the radar. No problem. Easy. Nobody's paying attention. Nobody gives a fuck. None of that. But when you start getting that light, you will need the microscope. Yeah. They start, you know, they start ridiculing everything you do, like right? who you talking to, what you got on, what kind of, what kind of beat you had, with with a sample, case, like, it just get real nitpicky once mm-hmm. you get in that light. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like you on you on 24 hour ridicule, goddamn judgment at all times. So it's like I can't imagine at that because Eminem is like the ceiling for a rapper. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? As far as starter. To me. Yeah. No saying so I can't yeah. imagine
1: the type of backlash he got. Yeah, I mean, sure, he get he get backlash pretty much for anything that he do. You know what I'm saying? Like good or bad. You know, it's a it's a yin and a yang to everything that he does. It's like and, and especially now, you can see everything, you can see everybody's thoughts in real time. You know what I mean? And it's like so many different ways that you can you can process what you're looking at on the net. You can you can literally be not be good at, at 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 doing due diligence and 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 trying to get a gauge of what the climate thinks, and you can be going to the wrong comment sections, and you can be going to, you can just not have a full understanding of how the internet works, and really, really think that people fucking hate you if you go to, you know what I'm saying? Like, you read the wrong comment section, like dog. You know, you you, you ever notice how drastically different like the comment section. On world star is versus like the comment section on just like all hip hop or something. It's like two totally different kinds of people. Like world star, they literally in the comments just get this bitch ass motherfucker out of here. You know what I'm saying? Like that's just how they talk.
0: All the disrespectful <laughs> shit. You <can> <laughs> like I tell somebody, if you ever get bored and feel like laughing, just pick a star go to their goddamn Instagram and just read the comments. That shit is so yeah. entertaining. Cause yeah. like you actually took time to come to their page and yeah. say this bullshit. Yeah. Like, like you could've just not came up here. Like it's just crazy. Like mm-hmm. the internet is a blessing and a curse. It gave the person who you really shouldn't hear from a voice. Yep. You know what I'm saying? And they know that and it's like sometimes that one insignificant-ass person will pull a, pull a nigga off his square so fast because just the shit he's saying is just so ridiculous and disrespectful. It's Like, it's hard to ignore. Mm-hmm. But you can't. I think,
1: I, I think the um people who do that, I guess we call them trolls. Like, them niggas, them niggas is the reason why we're not getting Andre 3000 out of them, I think. Like if I looked at that, I looked at that um, that interview that that Three Stacks did with uh, Rick Rubin, and it just looked like it just looked like like people throwing their opinion around in a in a in a in a real like opinionated, you know what I'm saying? Like loud sort of way is kind of like what what spooked them. What what made him get inside of his own head and and start second guessing the greatness that is him? Because these motherfuckers are just basically questioning anything. They're questioning anything. Like literally, niggas, literally, niggas. Stevie Wonder's heyday. If it, if we had the internet back then, niggas would literally be busting down Stevie songs, breaking them down, telling them the drums need to be turned up.
0: All types of stupid shit. <laughs> I get that shit on on my live, somebody would be like, yo, I would add such and such. I'm like, man, who gives a fuck? Like, this ain't <laughs> this ain't your beat, bro. Like, I don't care about what you would add. And you telling me that is just like, shut up, bro. Man. So I I, I I just decided not to play, you know, beats on live anyway. I'm just I'm just out that game because right. last time I did it, somebody screen recorded it and then posted it on their story.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I was like, Bro, can you please take that down? And well, what the fuck is like? What's going on right now? Like, right. why would you do that? Like, I don't. It's just like I, I really think corporate America has has devalued music so bad mm-hmm. that people just feel like they could pull a hit out their ass on command, and that's not that's not even likely. If that was the case, Michael Jackson would have had two thrillers, three thrillers. Like, right? He couldn't, he couldn't do it again. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like you you the stars really gotta be aligned and all that shit in order to get those type of albums. But they got these kids thinking, just throw it out. Just throw it out. Just throw it out. You just do another one. Just and then when you throw it out, do a video on how you did it. Like take all the mystique away from your talent and give them all your secrets on how you did it. It's just so saturated at this point. Mm
1: -hmm. So
0: disrespectful to the craft. And right. just put it, 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 it annoys me because you go to YouTube right now and see videos how to do 90s beats, how mm-hmm. to do Dilla beats, yeah. how, Bink, how Bink did "Devil New Dress, like, are you serious right now? Mm-hmm. That's where we're at. It's like yep. everything is not cookie cutter. You know what I'm saying? You just can't. I, and, I, and I try to encourage this kid all the time, like, bro, stop sharing your secrets. Right your secrets are who that's what makes you who you are, so once you give that up, like your mystique is gone, right, and now you just everybody's doing it because we didn't know that until you told us what you did to that drum and how you did it to that drum and what effect you used and what program it was, like that's none of nobody's business., Right. Be. you know what I'm saying, but today's world is like, no, nah, give all that up, you know what I'm saying right give all that up and, and and throw all your songs out and just go you can just do another one it's like bro no you can't like it's that shit is special to put together some real organic special moments of music like it's mm-hmm. you got to be it's calculated you know what i mean yeah it's, they, like the,
1: it's like it's like it's like when you when you get when you start getting them to think like that it's almost like you telling them to remove the quality control yeah you know what I mean? Like, it's like you, you're telling them to focus more on quantity, the, the buzz that can come with quantity. Focus right. on the smoke, focus on the smoke, clout chase, smoke, smoke chase. Put more effort into that than you do the actual product.
0: I've always been quality over quantity. Mm-hmm. from day one when it comes to music. Like, you know, dudes be like... Like, not is different. Not can do 100 beats in two days. Like, mm-hmm. I, I just never could do that. But he's talented enough to do that. You know what I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll be on the same beat for three days. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, me. You know what I'm saying? So, it's like, I may have five, and this other person may have 50. You know what I'm saying? But it's like, how many are you moving? Right. It's, it would really dictate the back average. Know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, yeah. Cause I mean, sometimes somebody like Knotts, I didn't went to VA and, and, and sat in with Knotts, and he played me too many beats.
0: It's overwhelming.
1: Too many good ones. Yeah. And it, it fucks me up, cause I can't, I can't focus on one thing, cause you just took my mind in too many different places. So that's it. For him to be that scientifically gifted, man, that that's a gift and a curse for for me to work with somebody like that.
0: Right. Because I have been by over five beats at a time? Myself. Nigga, that's sensory overload. Not to sensory
1: overload sometimes, nigga. One time he, he was, was just like he went to a old he got old folders from you know previous years and shit. And then, you know, once he gives you like all right, just you can just look in any of these folders and you can just go through the folders and you start pressing play on shit, it's it's ridiculous. It's like, yo man, this is this is like I'll never get nothing done here. With access to this many fucking beats,
0: so many, time. yeah, so many phenomenal shits. Mm-hmm. It's just like, what in the fuck is this? Is is we got a fucking a beat app or some shit that just do the <laughs> beat for like <laughs> like this shit is
1: insane. Nigga, I'm glad you said that about Thriller though, man, because I, I feel like I feel like he ain't he wasn't supposed to be able to do it again. That's what made it Thriller.
0: You're not like you shouldn't want that twice, corporate America puts that in you, yeah, that's what I'm trying to say your 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 label has always said, we need something like that, give us another one of those, right and it's like Bruh, it, like enjoy that for what it was, and let that be you know what I'm saying, like yes. reasonable doubt was reasonable doubt, illmatic was illmatic infamous yeah. mob was infamous mob like. Those were just great times and great moments in music, but how dare you think you can do that on command?
1: On call, yeah. You
0: know what I'm saying? Like you, it doesn't happen that way, and because you know corporate America is just so big on on quantity now, because that's how they get their money on streaming. Yeah, they encourage people to just overload right on, on the quantity, and it's not and if you're not really conscious of real creative rules and laws that mm-hmm. you'll fall right into that dumb shit and just start throwing shit out every two, three months, just a new album, a new album, a new album. It's like bro, you can it's the same thing as you shooting your load. Like you didn't shot your load, man. Like nobody wanna hear from the same artist like five times in one year. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like it takes away the 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 specialness, the organicness of the music. I'd rather mm-hmm. you give me one album market that shit three, four months, Mm -hmm. go away for a while, and then come back with a new album. Like, I'd rather you do that than you, Mm -hmm. every time I turn around, you got a new album. You got a new mixtape. You got a new album. You got a new mixtape. It's like, God damn, like, I ain't even let the last one soak in yet. You know know what I'm saying?
1: It's like, you got me under pressure.
0: Super pressure, but it's like, but this is what corporate America is doing to the kids, man. They're just making them feel like, First of all, they have to be on those platforms to flourish, which is a lie. And second of all, they tell them not to overthink the music. Just throw that bitch out, Right. do another one, you know what I'm saying? So I'm just like, bro, listen, man, at the end of the day, I, I still keep my shit exclusive. I try to really have a well thought out plan with the music. Mm-hmm. Right. Real meticulous about the drums I use, the keyboardists I use, the musicians I bring in. Like I'm still in that zone. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Whereas I see so many people now, like they, they just they just pick a sound, okay, we like that. His album was dope. Let's do that. And they right. just mimic that whole album. Like uh Tyler, the Creator, you would think Pharrell produced the whole album and Pharrell's nowhere near on it. And it's, just, it's all For Tyler the Creator. It's insane. Like he's but this is where we are in music.
1: Mm-hmm. Like
0: back in the day, that should get you shot at. You know what I'm saying, like, <laughs> like real shit. Like you, you actually take somebody's whole shit and then do a whole album sound like somebody else's shit. Like that's, it's offensive in the artistic world. You know what I mean? Right. Super offensive. So, you know. But other than that, uh, slaughterhouse. I remember when we was first when y'all was first talking about putting that together when you was at my house and we got the infamous Still No Patron video on YouTube. <laughs> with, uh, with me, you and uh Joe Buttons and, and his homeboy that wouldn't go get the Patron for you. My nigga, and,
1: uh, B, my, my, I still ain't I still ain't let him let that down yet. I still ain't let him lay that down, dog.
0: Yeah, you how you gonna bring up some good shit but don't wanna get him, Man, I got a big ass bottle of Patron to create right now. I ain't open yet. It's like
1: Should've kept that to yourself.
0: <laughs> Should have kept that shit to yourself. Like, what was that about? That was like teasing. But Joe has like totally reinvented himself. Like It's like like he was never a rapper. hmm You know what I'm saying? So have you talked to him like trying to get him back on that page or slaughterhouse is done? Like, what's the deal with that, y'all? That's open?
1: I mean, we we um I mean I talk to all of all of them niggas all the time. It's like a it's just we never made like a, um, a conscious decision to end, end Slaughterhouse. That never was a thing. You know what I'm saying? It just was, a, it just was, we, uh, we was making an album and there was a lot of things that happened, you know, uh, all things correlate, but you know, it was just different, separate move things, just moving parts. And then at the very end it was like, because of where shit was at, <clears throat> like shady just, Shady, I don't think Shady feel comfortable, you know, putting some shit out that Joe is a part of. I don't think Joe feel comfortable being a part of something that Shady's putting out. You know what I'm saying? And I don't think it's like a, a oh yeah, 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 right here, thank you. I, so I don't think Joe, I think, uh, I don't think it's no bad blood. Like, you know, there's no beef between, you know, like Joe, Joe and Paul or Joe and Marshall. But um, just from a business, from a business standpoint, Right now, I don't see that happening that way. <clears throat> so with that being said, the only thing that it does is is it puts us in a position where we're signed, we're in actively in an agreement where we haven't fulfilled the whole obligation, you know, of what we agreed to. You know what I mean? So it's like it's just it's just a it's just a contractual agreement that hasn't been approached, addressed, or looked at because we've all been doing, you know obviously different separate things and shit. So I mean one of these days, you know what I mean? Like if it if it calls for it, we'll look at it and just decide how we're gonna move forward. You know what I mean? But we never disband the group or like, you know what I mean like right. Maybe that's we good never truth. that's good yeah. Truth, <clears throat> yeah, it's it's like, you know, so it's like if we if we decide at the end of the day it's still our shit. We built it. You know what I'm saying? So if we decide, you know, like to come together and do some shit you know like we want to pull pull from the brand because you know it's value there yeah you can take it thank you because it's value there i mean shit we'll, then we'll do that you know what i mean but, but, but um right now it's just it's just sitting you know we can't it, it's not gonna do nothing unless we're moving it you know what i'm saying so right now we're just not moving it joe doing his podcast thing and crook doing his podcast thing um I don't even be knowing what i'm doing half the time you know what i'm saying i wake i do up I don't be you know what's going on you know what i'm saying so it's, it's it's you know everybody just where they are in life when we first when we first started slaughterhouse we was all in the same place mentally in life right. we all had the same goal agenda yeah. you know we just wanted to tear shit up lyrically and we just wanted to add you know, add the lyrical element back to the art form. We just that's all we wanted to do. You know what I mean? And we didn't want to be commercial. We wanted to do it and still be, you know, like tearing shit up on the net. Like we 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 was proud of that. We owned, we owned that. Like some people be like, yo man, you know, you just on the internet. You gotta be, you know, you gotta be on the radio. We didn't care about being on the radio. We never, you know what I mean? Like we we like being we like being only on the internet. So we kind of like
0: embraced that. Basically, some Griselda shit, same shit. That's yep, like your yep. formula to me. Mm-hmm. But my, um, my man, uh, Champagne Era, was uh, talking to me about some infamous boat in Detroit that a lot of y'all used to hang on in Detroit, like a lot of parties or something went on in that boat, some type of boat, what's something? Oh, Bob Lowe, the Bob Lowe boat. Ba- yeah. yeah, the Bob Love boat, he was like, <laughs> yeah, when got, I was a kid. Yeah, they got their kid. first act on the boat. They got their first piece of act on the boat, they were tell me.
1: Yeah, yeah, because it was like Bablo, um, Bablo was actually, it was an island. It was an island with, a, with an amusement park on it. So like you had to go and take the, the boat ride, you know, over to the island, which was a short boat ride over to the island. But the boat ride itself was an experience. And then when you get to the island, that's a whole nother experience. And that's like that was something for black families in the hood to be able to do that was, you know, like equivalent to like what a vacation would be. Right, You know, niggas ain't get vacations, you know what I'm saying? So, like, to be able to get everybody together and go do some shit like that and everybody getting along, ain't nobody arguing, you know, my brother ain't arguing with my daddy, my daddy ain't arguing with my mama, everybody having a good time, those are, like, those good memories that niggas got to hold on to, you know what I'm saying? Where we all get in the car and we actually leave early in the morning and don't get back till super late at night. We spent the whole fucking day together as a family doing fun shit, you know what I'm saying? So. That's yeah, good. that was like one island. Of the, uh, island though. Y'all had an island, an island, my nigga. And that's all that was on the island was just that amusement park. It's crazy. Just it a small little island, and um, I can't remember exactly the origin of it. Like who who built it, but uh, whoever did that, man, like they 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 were in the right frame of thinking. You know what I mean? Like we n- niggas need to start building more shit like that
0: because man. So it's still there. It was shit. gone.
1: What i the, the island is still there, obviously, but like the the amusement park, it's like it's some of the stuff is still on the island, but it's like old condemned shit. And um, recently the the boat burnt up. It's like two two or three of them. The boat burnt up, and then I seen a a a a picture, a recent picture of 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 the boat again, looking like somebody fixing it up, like refurbishing it or something. I don't know, like kind of like fixing it up, but um. As far as Boblo Island itself, like as an amusement park, I don't know if it's like plans to open it back up, redo it, open it back up. I would love to. I should. I should probably look into that shit and see what the fuck's going on.
0: It's, it sounds like a money tree to me. Yeah. If you actually got like you got that going again because I think a lot of us forget about those uh, moments in time as kids that really you hold dear to your heart because you had mm-hmm. so much fucking fun. Like we had a place mm-hmm. here called Seaside Park. Well, it wasn't on the island, but it was the same concept. It was on the beach. You know, I had a, it was like amusement park, it had a little merry go round, a little roller coasters, all that type of shit. But you know, my family would cook all night fried chicken, devil eggs, mm-hmm. bologna and cheese sandwich, peanut butter and jelly, little hub juices, goddamn. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? The food mm-hmm. line brand sodas. It won't know Welch's great. It was just called great and cola. Yeah. Yeah. Them joints. So it was like, that right there, I can remember like certain smells will take me right back there. Like yep. literally right to that moment. You know what I'm saying? And I think a lot of, the, right now, our, our kids are missing out on that type of thing. You know what I'm saying? So I think it would be genius to, if you could, to, to to get that shit going again. Cause that shit would be yeah pivotal to, you know what I'm saying? Cause like you say, everybody's family isn't fortunate enough to take a trip to Miami or Disneyland. You know what I'm saying, California, like, that's, you got to have some break. Yeah. Literally, it takes a few thousand dollars yeah. to do that. You know what yeah. I'm saying, but to be able to just jump on this boat for under a couple hundred
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: and have a great time and come right back on that day, like, at least we can do that. You know what I'm saying, <laughs> at least, at the least.
1: And my nigga, it's a big deal to you because you a kid, you a little kid, you ain't never really been nowhere. So like nigga, just a cup, one or two roller coasters, nigga, that's like that's a big
0: deal. Well, you can't sleep. Yeah. My nigga, you can't even sleep that night, nigga. And yeah. you get up. Listen, we <laughs> Seaside Park was a beach. So you know, first come, first serve. So they getting us up seven o'clock so we can get the best picnic table, mm-hmm. you know, the best blanket area close to the water. You know what I'm saying? Set up shop and hold it down for the yeah. day. Like see, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like you can't rent that shit. So it was just like all that shit. I remember, and it's just so, so much great times I had with my with my cousins. I was like, yo, I remember being there all day and then getting that car ride, coming home, and just waking up with pajamas on. You don't even remember going to sleep in the car, none of that shit. Mm-hmm. Like you you just that wore out. Like you just mm-hmm. had that, that much fun that you fell asleep in the car. They brought you in the house, put pajamas on your ass, threw you in the bed, and, like, you don't remember none of that shit because you just was spent, like you just done. So mm-hmm. I really think that's, that's pivotal, man, for our kids to experience as they coming up too, you know what I'm saying? If you're fortunate, if you're not fortunate enough to go to Miami or Disneyland, wherever the hell people go. Mm-hmm. For real, yeah, for real.
1: For sure, for sure, I mean, hell yeah, just to, and to get out, to get out, you know, like, the, our kids, man, you know we grew up poor and then you know like so our kids are like they they fortunate but they sheltered you know what i'm saying like it's a lot of it's a lot of it's a lot of downside to that shit so you got to like get that them part. Out there, let them let them experience things so they do not be like a fish out of water by the time they get out you know in society after they leave out of your house and get get out from under the thumb of you and your girl you know what i'm saying like it's good to just take them places man i fell into that like, my whole career, man, people been telling me, yo, you got to take, take your kids somewhere, man. Take them to fucking, you know, uh, Atlantis or whatever. Take them somewhere, you know what I'm saying? And I always be like, ah, I do that shit, later. Like, you know what I'm saying? Right. It's like, yeah, man, that shit's got to, it's, it's definitely got to happen. It's got to happen, because that, my kids to sit up and just stare at the iPad, nigga, for whole, hours at a time.
0: Like understand when, when, when my wife be like yo no ipads no tablets no no video games till seven o'clock tonight mm. you would think we told them that they gotta walk barefoot on the hot concrete they, they you be know like, what i'm saying they'd be like they be like, no
1: they, be like <laughs> they, they be like that scene the step brothers that scene the step brothers
0: what you're fucking hot! <laughs>
1: I'm sorry, there's no TV for the whole
0: day, no TV for the whole day, bro. But uh, to wrap it up, anything else you want to share with the audience that you're working on that you, you know that you got coming out, or you that you it's in the um, works? I mean, you
1: know, I'm just I'm super I'm super distracted right now, man. I'm I'm real scatterbrained, I got a ton of ideas. You know what I'm saying? Like, I got, you know, just in and in, in out the booth. You know what I mean? Like, I'm doing a lot of things in, in, this, in the city, actively in the city. A lot of uh, just work in the community and shit like that that I'm excited about. But right now, it's, I'm just still doing air traffic control in my mind. You know what I mean? It's kind of like taking it a day at a time. Creatively, I'm just letting shit kind of come to me. You know what I mean? So, nothing yet. Nothing yet to announce. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's still premature for me.
0: So you got I'm enough. Get a,
1: I'm about to get a motherfucking board. I'm putting a board up in here. I changed the shit around since you've been here last. I'm putting the board up in here. I gotta write, I gotta just start writing down all the shit that I gotta do. Cause I'm literally that in the hole now in terms of shit that I owe people, like people asking me to do shit. So no, I, gotta, I, I
0: really I really see I downplayed the importance of that board. Yeah. But when I think about it, anybody I've dealt with that was super successful, they all had that board.
1: Yeah, I got the board.
0: Like, I Missy had a board. Like, I learned from Missy, working with Missy, bro, it was like, she have all the records on the board, and if there's something in the comment section, she won't play it. Mm. It could just be like, hi-hat's too low, or need a bass line, or anything. As long as there's something still in the comment section, she's not playing right. it. Right. At all. Right. Nobody, you know what I'm saying? Because she knows that it's not right, because right. there's a comment on it. So until that shit get fixed, it's not to be hurt. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Because people shoot your shit full of holes, and you already knew it wasn't finished before you played. It. You know yeah, I mean? and, and,
1: and you're giving and you're giving your yourself an incentive not to keep putting it off, but just just go ahead and fix the shit, get it fixed, get it get it done, mm-hmm. that get that it done. Because you want to be able to play everything. You don't want to not be able to play some shit because you, you you've been putting off finishing it. You know, especially when you know know the potential of it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that board keeps things in perspective, man, and really keeps mm-hmm. you on pace. You know what I'm saying? Like, for real, for real. So I've, I've been getting more into that board myself, and I and I tend to forget about the board again. I'm like, man, go write everything down the board, bro. Mm-hmm. Get your shit right so we can get this shit done. Because right now, you thinking that you going to remember everything up here, mm-hmm. it ain't yep. it's guaranteed you're leaving something out. Guaranteed, yep. nothing, to talk, nothing to talk about, you know what I mean? Yeah, You got to write it down. But again, bro, I appreciate you coming through, Roy. You know, we this ain't about no business with us. You, can, you ain't got to do records no more in your life. And I still, you know, you still be my guy. I'm going to keep in time, you know, contact with you and see how you're doing, how the kid's doing. So this was just great that you sat down with me for my podcast. You know, some new territory for myself as well.
1: But for sure, my G. Man, you know, the feeling is mutual, man. And, and, and congratulations on the podcast. You know, anything you, anything you got anything to do with, man, I'm in. I'm in. I I love and appreciate you, man. I appreciate you for having me.
0: Back at you, bro. I appreciate you, man. So I'll get at you in a little
1: while. All right, peace.